Praise the Lord. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we are going to continue in the series and conclude the series, The Two Keys to Becoming an Excited, Extravagant Giver. We have realized that God has called us to be givers. One of the major battles of the enemy, one of the major focuses of the enemy is to stop you from being a giver. It does include tithing. It does include giving of finances, giving to the missions. But it also includes giving of yourself, giving of your gifts, being faithful to your church, being faithful to your family, being faithful to every aspect of your life. And I, I, want, I want you to go ahead, we're going to uh, put a video up, and, and I want you to see, remember Jack Taylor came up and shared with us about uh, what his son did. Can we not help a school in Houston after the hurricane? Well, Jack Taylor flew out this week to meet the leaders and the school children at the Houston school. So if you would go ahead and watch this. Hi, Valley Community Church. Uh, here I am in Houston, and I just want to thank you. I know a few of you uh, did uh, support and, and give a little, and I, I so appreciate that. And God's blessings are reaching all the way over here to Houston. This is Mr. Neal, their uh, Christian Club advisor. Julian and Larry are students here at uh, <coughs> Thompson Intermediate, and uh, I've had a wonderful time visiting with their faculty and students. And, uh, we all just want to thank you also for your support and prayers for the people out here in Houston. So thank you, and I'll see you probably next Sunday. You Valley Community Church gave a large amount to uh, the offering that we sent uh, out to the churches in Houston, and uh, we right away, it was on the ground, the monies was working in our churches, feeding and housing uh, many that were displaced from their homes. So again, thank you, and Jack Taylor, uh, his school uh, is helping them re reconstruct everything, get new equipment and instruments, and so that they could play music, and hopefully many of those children can go to their churches and help lead worship. So we're talking about the many areas that we can give. But we, last week, the Lord led us to a passage of Scripture where Peter was expressing to us that there's something that we need to recognize and always know. Because Peter was a man that struggled a lot. Peter struggled in many di different instances. I probably in today's day, we would say that um, <laughs> maybe he was schizophrenic or, or different things of his life and that he needed to change. He had depression, he, he, you know, just anger issues, all kinds of things. I guess you'd have anger issues if you cut off someone's ear. But the reality is, is that, that Peter struggled. But Peter was a great man of God. He was one of the apostle of apostles. He knew the word of God. He grew. He changed. He came from a fisherman and, uh, who didn't know God to a fisherman who knew God, and he was, was released and literally separated to the gospel as an apostle. Matter of fact, Peter, when he was crucified, because of his belief and faith, said, I cannot be crucified like my Lord. So we asked them to crucify him upside down, and they did. And the reality is that he gave his life for the Lord because of his love for God. But Peter in his life found victory in his life, even though he faced so many things, and he realized that there was an enemy. So he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, he wrote this, Be sober, 
Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He acts like a lion. Peter knew what lions did, how they worked, and he described how the enemy came against him and others like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, Peter says, steadfast in the faith, in your belief, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We all suffer. We all have difficulties in our life, but we must understand that we realize that there is a predator that is after our call, that is after our purpose, that wants us to get into a place in our emotional health to the place where we will not accomplish God's will because the enemy knows that you are very special, that you are anointed of God, that you have something very specific in your life that can change the world, that can change your world. So the devil is looking for someone he may devour. The word may he use is particular in the language, and it literally means to give permission. So Peter says again to be sober and vigilant. So let's go over this again, and then I want to move into what I want to talk to you about today. In order to have a sustainable spiritual life, these two things must be vital in your life. First of all, you need to be sober. The sober means have control of yourself and your passions. God has given you emotions. We've learned in another series, our emotions were given to us so we may understand God. And a lot of times people separate emotions from God. God is an emotional God. He gave us emotions. And so our emotions are to help us understand, to love, and to walk in his call in our life. And again, the world tries to separate spiritual and emotions, and I want you to understand God's, that's not God's plan because your emotions are a part of you. But Peter says the thing you have to do is you have to have control of yourself and your passions. And Peter can explain that. Man, I got all upset and I cut off a guy's ear. I got all upset and I denied Christ three times. Okay? And I cussed during that time too. One of the, the passages literally was, was saying that, aren't you one of the, the, those that follow Jesus Christ? And he began to cuss the guy out and tell him, no, I'm not. And uh, the Bible talks about how we speak to take control of those things. Then he talks about being vigilant. The vigilant means to be watchful with a wartime mentality, knowing that every single day the enemy wants to bring disruption in your life. But everyone hear me out, he has no authority. He needs to have permission. And what we're trying to do is bring you into the conclusion of the series today is how do we give the enemy permission? We touched on it last week, but how do we give him permission to come in and to steal and to kill and to destroy? Well, in being vigilant and watchful in a wartime mentality, we found three reasons why we are to be sober and vigilant. Again, the devil is your adversary. The devil hates you. There's nothing about you that he likes. The devil prowls around. He's looking for that entry point. He's looking for that place that he can come in and, and begin to bring disruption in your life. And third of all, the devil is seeking someone he may devour. One of my favorite snacks is potato chips, Lay's potato chips, and cream cheese. Mm, 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 that's good. That's why sometimes I have to take out my coats. He's not a snacker. He's one that wants to devour you. He despises you. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because someone has allowed an entry point. Why in the world would someone stand up on a 30-second floor and shoot down at people? Because it's evil. There was an entry point that happened in that man, and the enemy just 
He was 64 years, all his life probably, that enemy kept eating away and eating away and devouring and devouring and eating away and eating away until the guy really became evil. And he did what he did. Innocent people were killed. Proverbs 10.9 says this, he who walks with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will become known. What would that mean, will become known? Does it mean, and, and there are two ways, but if we, if we get to the physical, emotional aspect, he'll become known because of his actions. People will know, stay away from that person. He's an angry person. He's a bitter person. She's, she's this, she's that. But also, what we're going to find out today is that when we pervert our ways, walking away from the things of the Lord and what he says in his word, then we will become known, the enemy will begin to know who we are because we allow or give permission to that entry point. And I'm going to show you how that happens. So the way we know the enemy has gotten a foothold in our life is we stop being an excited, extravagant giver. The way we know that the enemy has brought bondages and a foothold in our life is that we, our lifestyle is that of, and, and hear what I'm saying, I'm going to use a terminology, and it could be uh, a terminology that's light in a, in a few ways, or it can be very deep. But selfishness begins to arise in our heart. Selfishness is not that you're just standing there and saying, mine, all mine, like a little kid. Selfishness is, is described as this in Scripture, is that we have become hurt, angry, and allowed ourselves to get to a place, allowed ourselves to get to a place where we stop giving in the areas that we used to give. Because there's no way someone's going to abuse me anymore that way. And we begin to take instead of giving. When we do that, we understand that there has been a foothold. Foot and some of it becomes because we become uh, hurt. And when that hurt just keeps chewing away, stealing things out of our own personal life, it turns into bitterness. And bitterness is the root of all evil. And what happens is we say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, that's all they want ever is money. That's all they ever want is no one ever says thank you. And we get to a place in our life where we almost become a loner. We're still the person we are and we're talking, but we, we kind of, you know how it is, you just want to get away from everybody and just, just I just don't want to be around anybody anymore. Matter of fact, living for God in his ways is fun but you have to stay in the light. Now, I'm taking you on a step and a journey right now because I want you to see the picture of someone who is just an amazing person. Why? Because they're created in the image of God and the likeness of God. They have great purpose. They've done wonderful things. They're good people. They might have many friends. But see... Peter is saying, even those, look what happened to me, even those type of people, if they open the door in unforgiveness and areas, what happens is they start backing away and not giving. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes ones rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. God's blessing comes because we're walking towards the light. We're walking towards God's word. We're growing. We're going to OSL. We're going to the women's Bible studies on Friday night because we speak Spanish. We want more of the gospel. We want to hear Pastor Angel. And we go there now in November, 
Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. And we go and we hear the word. But I want to tell you, it's because you've began to realize doing it God's way brings blessing. Even though some person might be going through pain in their own life, in the church or at your job or, where, or your home, you need to go towards the light. You need to do it God's way. And if you don't, you're opening the door. Peter's saying, he's talking to me big time when I put this together. You will open the door to the enemy coming in to chew at you, to steal, to kill things in your life, causes relationships to stop, whatever, and literally to destroy. Peter says, he describes it, the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Last week, we talked a little bit about how that my brother and a friend from the club um, had gone on a safari. And I had described this, I guess, a couple years ago, two, three years ago, but I want to add to this. But first of all, we talked about that lions are nocturnal. Here's the first step we need to understand what Peter's saying. Goes around like a roaring lion. The enemy is darkness. The enemy works in darkness. When you're walking in the light, when you're being led of the Holy Spirit, you're, quote, in, in terminology, you're walking towards the light. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, okay? He is the light of the world. He, the word is a light unto your path. It's that flashlight. It's that beam that shines. This is how you're supposed to do it. So the thing that we learned last week is take the word of God, grow in the word of God. You're not called, many of you, to preach from a platform, but you're called to go to your job. You're called as a father, as a mother. You're called as a son or a daughter, a friend. You're called in your giftings. You have giftings. You're special in the kingdom of God. But you have to realize the enemy works in darkness. And if you're messing around with sin, what you're doing is you're opening the door for the enemy to come in and to steal, kill, and to destroy. So then Peter, the guy who would know, uh, talked about these lions. But the, and so we're learning about lions the second thing we know about lions is, watch this, it's kind of weird the way it's stated and how they are, but lions are paravisual, paravisual. They see in a funny, unusual way. So let's explain this, but let's also see how, what Peter's talking about in how these, these animals work, and let's attribute it to how the enemy works. On the safari, they pile you into a Range Rover. You have the guide and the driver. Now the guide usually has a gun, but you have the guide, the driver, and someone sitting next to him, and then all the people on the safari. The Range Rover has no doors, and it has no cover. So you are out in the open. Now, they're completely exposed. And the gentleman that, that I, I met at the club was telling me how they drove amongst the lions. He said, on the second day of our safari, the first day, we couldn't find the lions. But on the second day, they found the lions, and they had just made a kill. It was a water buffalo, this big old buffalo. And they were just having dinner. And, and so the driver drove right up about five, 10 feet from where the carcass was laying with all the lions around. When they were driving up, the lions just looked up and looked back at the, at the, the meat and started eating some more. Now, a little bit later, he said, we're sitting there, we're taking pictures, we're talking real silent the lions began to walk around the vehicle. And the guy said that he was sitting right on the edge, on the right side, and he said that this lion was probably at an arm's length, all right? And he could actually reach out and touch the lion, but the rule that they learned was, don't do that. All right? 
I would follow that rule. How about you? Yeah, okay. But the lions don't see you individually in the truck. They are para-visual or para-visually. Lions see the object but do not see the individuals in the object. Now watch. The guide says, as long as you don't move, and he's talking about sudden movements, large movements, or stand up or get out, the lions see the truck and all in it as one big animal. So, to its mind... That animal's too big to kill, plus because of the, the engine smell, that it doesn't like its smell, so it probably doesn't taste good, and it has not seen its food, so the guide just drives up to them, and because the lions are used to that, they just figure the big animal wants to hang out and watch them eat. So my brother told me it was crazy when he got up to where the lions were at another safari, they'd wa walk up to you, and to us, they were looking at him. One lion, he's sitting on the edge, and the lion walked up and just like that, and all of a sudden he looked up and just went and just stared at my brother. Now, you can imagine what was going through my brother's mind and what was, would be going through your mind. Probably a little bit of fear, wanting to run, right? My brother said I was nervous the first day. So the other guy told me of a leopard that they, after they left the lions, they went and found a leopard, and they stopped, and the leopard, <laughs> who was like a house cat, walked up to the truck and rubbed its body all around the truck. He said part of it, territorial, he's setting the scent, but in essence, that's just what cats do. So the guide says they do it almost every time they see one, but they look you dead in the eye, but don't see you like we would see. If you walked up to the truck, you would see each individual in the truck. They don't see that way. So what, what does that show us? What does that tell us? What is Peter talking about when he says it goes around like a roaring lion? Each time the guide would take them out, he would say, how many of you are getting used to the wild animals? And my brother said, yeah, I'm not as nervous now. He would say, they're almost like your house cats, those lions and leopards, aren't they? And they'd go, yeah, yeah, they are. They're big and they're cute. I just want to pet them. He said, if you don't follow the rules, they will eat you. All right? So, so here's, here's what goes on. We get so used to, watch this, where I'm going. We get so used to the normal of life that even though it's abnormal to us, it's normal. That's just the way things are. So he said, again, if you don't follow the rules, these lions will eat you. He told the story of a guy who stepped out of the vehicle, and he got so excited about it, he had this nice camera, he jumped out of the vehicle before the guide could say anything to take a picture, and a lion attacked him, and he died of his injuries. Because they're paravisual. The moment he jumped out of the truck, he became an individual. So here's another story. They were parked by the leopard, and this leopard was licking her paws, and while they were just standing there, everyone was just all excited watching the leopards, and just, you know, I don't know if you've seen how big their paws are, but a guy stood up in the vehicle to take a picture, and immediately the leopard went, like that. And the guy said, sit down now. And the guy sat down. And the leopard went like that, looked around, and then went back to licking the paws. The guy became an individual. The guy wasn't around 
all the group. Stick that in your head because I'm going to show you what Peter's talking about. So this is what I get from this. In Matthew 18, verse 18 through 20, says this. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two, everyone say two. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. So two or three or four or five or ten, whatever, or a hundred or five hundred or a thousand. He says, and you're in agreement together with a purpose of worshiping God, getting in the word. Let's talk about the church. What he says, I will be in your midst. Do you realize when you come together in the name of Jesus Christ, it means for the purpose of Christ, when you're submitted, coming under a mission, when we come together, worshiping God as a church, what we find is that God is in the midst. So when the devil comes and is looking right at you, wanting to steal, kill, and destroy, the enemy sees the image of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again because I want to make sure you all got that. When we are in agreement, when we have a passion to come together, we have a passion to learn from the Lord and learn from one another. To, and and we, we get rid of that selfishness. We're excited, extravagant givers. And we're coming in. We're saying, you know what? It's not about me anymore. It's about my brother or sister. I'm here for them. I'm going to worship and gather. And what we find is that when we're in agreement, when we're coming together and worshiping the Lord, that's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling together of the believers. Because the Satan goes around like a roaring lion. And when he sees us, the church, and he looks at us trying to steal, kill, and destroy, he sees Jesus Christ. He's a defeated foe. He sees the victor. He sees the one that's defeated him. But what happens is we forgot about being excited and extravagant of giving of ourselves to one another. When you and I are in Christ, he cannot see you individually, and he is not dumb enough to attack Jesus. Because the devil is a defeated foe over 2,000 years ago. Now let me show you how lions hunt. Because that's why Peter's talking about Satan goes around like a roaring lion. Peter recognized how all this worked here. He was thinking to himself, why do I do what I do? Why do I worship him and love God and, and hang on to Jesus and then why does the next day I sin? Why does the next day I do these things? He's saying because there's an enemy out there every single day is your adversary. Lions hunt this way. They run towards the herd from a hidden place. And the herd panics and they begin to run away. During that panic, the weak and the sick get separated from the herd or the naive, and they immediately pounce on the individual. Breaks my heart when you hear, I, I, I go to the club and I go to the grocery store and I talk to people about Jesus all the time. And they ask me what, what I do for a living. And I say, well, I'm a pastor of the most amazing church in the world. It's called Valley Community Church. And the first thing they say is not, oh, that's wonderful. They say, well, I used to go to church. And for some reason, I don't know, they feel guilty because I'm a pastor that they haven't gone to church for a year, two years, or three months, or whatever. The lions are looking for the singular profile. The lions are looking for those who are alone. 
But in my word, it says that I am never alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But what happens is through hurt, through stuff in life, we forget and we stop becoming an excited, extravagant giver, and then we get alone and we get depressed. Now, there's such a thing as, as, as chemical difficulties in a person's body that causes depression, that they need great counsel, they need medicines and all the different things, and it's there and it's real, but it's something that can be healed. But I want you to hear this. There are many people that say that they are depressed. The reason why they're depressed is because they're under attack. They're under attack because they have released themselves from the blessings of the Lord that doesn't bring any sorrow, and they have become angry, and they, they've un- walk in unforgiveness, and, and they stop giving financially. They stop doing these things, and the blessings of the Lord stops because they have stopped becoming that extravagant giver, and it opens the door for the enemy to come in. Isaiah 53 talks about the nature of our sin. Watch the nature of sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're not with the flock anymore. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah is saying what we do in life is when we can't handle things and we're hurt and we're frustrated about other stuff, we have a tendency to be alone. We have a tendency to not join together with the body of Christ. I'm not talking about, because we've talked about this earlier, I'm not talking about that we tell everybody what's going on, but I'm talking about get together with the body of Christ and worship. Get together with the body of Christ and get in the word of God. I know I'm tired, but you know, I have to be with the body of Christ because that's where that agreement comes and that's where that protection, where when the, the lion goes around roaring and roaring, we'll find out why he does that. Goes around roaring and he looks and he sees, but you're with the body of Christ and he sees Jesus and he doesn't see you and he doesn't come against you. His demonic force has no authority because they don't see it until we become individuals. And then he's roaring. All of a sudden, we get angry at someone. We walk in unforgiveness, and the enemy goes, because you've stepped out of the truck. Hmm. You know, we find people that constantly face the same turmoil in their life. They have been unteachable and they become independent. They become a loner. No one understands, God does. No one will believe me, God will. The devil's a hospital. And he's a hospital full of sick people. The church is a hospital full of people getting well. What the devil does is create a panic or a hurt in you, and in that you isolate yourself and become lonely and you become ashamed. When you isolate, you create a singular profile and become no match for the devil. I want to tell you, as an individual, you're more than a conqueror. But when you isolate by stopping yourself from being that giver and being that person that walks in that, that anointing and knows who you are in Christ, then when he comes against you, you have power and authority over him. And you just tell him, stop. You resist him. You know why it says resist? Because the next day he's going to come back at you. The devil's strategy is to get you alone. That's why at Valley we have all that we have. In the next few weeks we'll be announcing to you 2018. It is going to be fun. I'm telling you, you are fabulous people. Leaders here are fabulous. We're going to be having 
home groups announcing that. We're going to have marriage conference. We're going to have all kinds of things. We're going to see the power of God move in a mighty way because you know what's happening at Valley? We're becoming faithful to God and faithful to where he's called us. How do you stay together? How do you stay together? How do you, how do you handle how do you handle the person next to you at church? Go ahead, look at your neighbor next to you. How do you handle them? Yeah, I know, I know. You become an excited, extravagant giver. You don't come expecting that person next to you to be perfect and be the one that heals you. God's the one that heals you. But when we come together, we stop the attacks of the enemy. Hear what I'm saying? We stop. We stop the force of the attack. He'll come back. He's an enemy. He's an adversary. But we come together, and that's why we pray for the sick. That's why we have OSL. That's why we have the, because the word. You come in agreement. You love one another. You forgive one another. I've been in ministry 37 years. And sometimes being in church is tough. Because you've got to handle your own stuff and be around people who are trying to handle their own stuff. And when we come in not ready to be a giver, what does extravagant mean? It means that sometimes people in the church won't say hi to you and they walk by you, they got something on their mind, and we get angry. I can't believe this church, they don't say hi to me. Well, that's not why I come to church. I come to church because I want to get in the Range Rover called Valley Community Church, and I want to hang out with you. I want to worship God. I want to be in agreement. I want to pray for you. I want to get excited when you get blessed. I want to get excited when you drive in the parking lot in that new car. I want to go out there and say, ooh, look at the car you got. Not, well, you make too much money. No, I'm not going to say that. That's someone who I understand. When they say stuff like that, that's someone who stopped giving because they're jealous. See, the blessings of God does not bring any sorrow. And when we understand that others are more important to me than myself, the Bible says, give and it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. See, the more I give to people, <laughs> the more I'm blessed. I'm just saying, Lord, I'm ready. I'm, I'm positioning myself into that blessing. Wow. Wow. So you stay together by being excited, extravagant givers. Your greatest fear, though, of getting together or getting involved is rejection because people will find out who you really are. Stick 10 women in the kitchen. Guys, you laugh, stick 10 men in the kitchen. <laughs> The church is a hospital full of grace to allow people who are not well to get well. We all have areas that need to get well. Stop being a loner. Stop being a loner. <laughs> Most of your friends outside are needing the same thing too. The enemy's kicking them around because a lot of them are not going to church anymore. I'm not going to church. I don't get fed. I, don't, I can't believe so-and-so. He's an elder, and look what he did. Well, look at Peter, and look what he did. Look at Paul, and look what he did. Look at Timothy, and look what he did. Amen? I used to go to church. You know what happens? They have bondages. They have hurt. They have pain. And they need what we have. They need to gather together. Because the enemy 
is noticing them because they're not coming together. You know, when we find out who you are, we'll support you. The problem is sometimes Christian people are loners because they stop being that giver and selfishness arises. Watch this. Growth and knowing who you are only happens in Christian fellowship. Only happens in Christian fellowship. Especially fellowship with the Holy Spirit. James 5.16, watch this. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Elasio, Sister Elasio, this morning, we got a call and she was taken to the hospital, one of our elders. And there are people praying all over the place now for her. And we're believing God that, that nothing's wrong. So I, I want you to, to understand, and, and some of the people went to go over to the hospital to be with her. You don't tell everyone, but when fellowship becomes strong, you help one another. There's a few that you can be around. That's why we're going to have the classes that we're going to have in, in uh, 2018 and 19. Now, the nature of lions, watch this, is looking for singular profile. The greatest safe place is the fellowship with your church. So let's conclude with one more thing about lions. Lions are territorial. Every animal, it's about control of their territory. This other gentleman said another guide would take them on walks. And he said, uh, in the vehicle, you have a gun. You don't have a gun. He said, no, I don't have a gun. He had a stick. And he said the first walk, he was a little nervous because the guide did not have a gun. And so he said, what if a lion shows up? He said, don't worry about it. They're very territorial, and that's why they roar. Roaring is territorial, and if you stay in a group, you will be fine, he said. The lion will roar, but don't run, face it. Don't run, face it. We have a young man in our church that made a great play Friday night, intercepting a pass. Yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> and the team, it was near the end of the game, and he intercepted a pass, and their team won. There are a lot of people that can't handle that type of pressure in a game. And they run by just getting nervous and their minds all, what if I make a mistake? But this young man plays quarterback, plays defense, just great athlete. The reality is he, he faced the challenge and he won. Not that in sports every time you're going to win, but the reality is he faced that. The lion will roar, but don't run. Face it. Many instances, we run from the problem. When someone hurts us, we run, and we go hide in a corner instead of facing it. And how do you face it? Going to the person and make them happy? No. You face it by what? Forgiving them. Not letting them rule your life. You don't run. Here's what I'm saying. Peter's saying, don't run from what God says to do. Face the situation and forgive. The lead lion, because they're territorial, watch this. The lead lion will walk up to the group and potty at their feet. Saying, this is my territory. This is mine. Don't you dare come back. Some people have potty mouths. Some people say, well, they don't have a right for me to forgive. I want to tell you, you're staking the devil's territory then. You need to stake God's territory. What is God's territory? What the Word of God says. Watch this. 28 of Matthew, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So be it. Go therefore, says walk in authority. Your destiny is your territory, and that's what the enemy wants to keep you from. People, watch this. I know I'm using a terminology that's not nice, but people are pottying on your territory. And it's not what's yours, what's mine. It's who you are. And they're telling you you're worthless and you're no good. And God is saying to you, you are my child. You are my son. You're more than a conqueror. Stop allowing life to change you. By the way, when you get to your promised land, just like Israel, there are going to be giants there. Fear is how the devil controls us. But listen to this. The gentleman that went on the safari said, this scripture was quoted by the guide. Genesis 9-2. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. He says, I just walk around. We come to a group. I say, you have been given into my hand. And as a Christian, he says, in Jesus' name, you will not do anything. And that's what he does. He, and he doesn't do that out loud because a lot of people he takes on safaris aren't Christian. He just speaks it because why? He takes authority. When the believer will take authority in the territory of the word of God and who you are in Christ, even the unbeliever will be blessed and protected. When the enemy comes at you, church, stand your ground. You know, we don't know who we are. We really don't know who we are. Now, I'm going to say something that's just going to, like, you probably have never heard someone say that, this statement. But you know who we are? We are the bride of Christ. We are Mrs. Jesus Christ. And when we stand together and we walk in the word of God, we then walk as Christ walks. And when the enemy, like a roaring lion, comes, who does he see? He sees the Range Rover named Jesus Christ. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, talking about the word. So no longer give up your territory, but you take your territory back in every area of your life in God's authority. Let me conclude with this. Satan roars and says, you're nobody. Look at you. You're worthless. Look what someone said. What they said was right. God has actually given up on you. And you've sinned too much. What you did, God, God can't use you. He roars to produce fear and shame so we will turn from our destiny and run. But the blood of Jesus forgives us, church. You are forgiven. Don't give him your ground, but instead be an excited, extravagant giver. Father, I thank you for what you have shown us in these past seven weeks. 
Lord, as we are concluding here, what a different presence now than it was even in the first. But it's such a huge amount of your presence that is here. Lord, I, I even believe the manifested presence is manifesting now. Healing is manifesting in our hearts. We're now making decisions no longer to be alone. Even though we feel a certain way, we will do what's right. We'll walk to the light. Hallelujah. Lord, some of us have gone through such turmoil like Peter has. Some of us have exploded in anger and sin. Some of us have said things that are so so bad. Some of us even might even believe things that are not true. But I thank you now by your Holy Spirit that you transform, you renew. You bring us back to the reality that we're special. Yeah, the Bible says peculiar, but we're special people called of God, called of God, that you knew us in our mother's womb, that you planned our days, you wrote it down. You're so interested in us, even when we've rejected you. But today, Father, we come to you and we say, Father, forgive us of opening the doors, opening the windows to the enemy, the roaring lion. And today, we no longer allow that to happen. Lord, I pray for homes today. I pray for marriages. I pray for us individuals. I pray for us as a church. Touch lives. Renew lives. Heal bodies. Restore Restore what the enemy has stolen. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Father, we give you honor. Just begin to do that. Father, we give you honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand, please.